0: John chapter 16, again this week, as we continue our series through the gospel according to John on Sunday mornings, last week we covered verses 16 through 22, where we saw that we who are in Christ have a joy which can never be taken away as we've already seen this morning. Amen. The joy of being born again and knowing the resurrected Lord is a joy that No man can take from you. Would you look with me this morning at the first sentence of verse 23 in John chapter 6. Once again, I planned to get much further along, but I couldn't get past this one phrase. Verse 23, it says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Now, we have to really understand the context of what we've covered already in this chapter to get the full effect of what Jesus has just told his disciples in this verse today. Remember from last week in verses 17 and 18, the disciples were questioning what Jesus meant by his statement in verse 16, where Jesus said, In a little while ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. They were confused on what Jesus meant. But we today in Christ know exactly what Jesus was referring to. And although it was a very basic doctrine that He was referring to, it was absolutely essential. It's the crucial doctrine, and that is the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. But they could not understand, they could not comprehend what Jesus was saying to them And we know from verse 13 that part of the reason why they had difficulty in understanding this truth was because the Holy Spirit of truth had not yet come because Jesus said, until I depart, the Comforter will not come. And so Jesus would have to go away in order for the Holy Spirit to arrive. And we'll look a little bit at that today. But when the Spirit of truth would arrive, Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth. And the Spirit will glorify Christ and the Spirit will show the truth of Christ unto these disciples when the Holy Spirit uh, moves in. Look again there, verse 23. And in that day, ye shall ask Me nothing. There was coming a day when they would no longer be in darkness as to what Jesus was referring to, what Jesus meant, the lesson He was trying to teach them, there was coming a point when it would easily make sense that Jesus is speaking of His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Now, I understand that these were saved men. They had been following Jesus Christ for three and a half years. They forsook all. They followed Him. But the Holy Spirit still had not arrived because Christ was there. And the Holy Spirit had not yet indwelt them as we understand it today. So I'm not suggesting that these were lost men with how I kind of go through this lesson. I, bl- I believe they are saved. But we learn in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, before we come to Christ, our minds are blinded. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth that there is a veil which remains upon the mind of Israel, those who have rejected Christ in Israel, it remains upon their minds and their hearts, and and they don't understand the truth because they're in their lost state. When the Old Testament is read, they don't understand how it speaks of Christ. And this is true of all the lost. He wrote that there is a veil upon the heart But listen to what 2 Corinthians 3.16 says. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. What that means is, when our hearts, when our minds, when we turn to the Lord, there's a veil that is removed. When lost sinners come to Christ for salvation under the New Covenant, the veil which has blinded the eyes, blinded the mind, blinded the heart, is taken away in Christ, and there's then an understanding of how the Word of God testifies of Christ. Which, listen, remember at this time, that's just the Old Testament. Amen. Second Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You see, we're made free in Christ. We are freed from the law of covenant. Our minds are liberated to the point that we can begin to see freely how the Scriptures speak of Christ. And it's in a way that we never realized before. Because the veil is removed in Christ. Jesus is telling His disciples, in that day, ye shall ask Me nothing. Meaning, in the day that the Holy Spirit of truth would indwell them, they would be enlightened to what Christ is trying to teach them here. Jesus is trying to teach them that He's going to die, that He's going to be buried, that He's going to rise again, and that He's going to ascend back to the Father. And they're having a difficult time with this. And Jesus says, the day's coming when this is going to make perfect sense to you. And it's going to be the day when the Holy Spirit of truth would indwell them. They would be enlightened to what... Christ came to do, what His work was. They would be enlightened to how the Scriptures foretold of Jesus Christ. And they would be able to look back, and they would be able to understand all that Christ had been trying to teach them, not only this night, but during His public ministry upon this earth as Jesus walked with them and preached to them and taught them. And, and all of that would start to make sense once the Holy Spirit arrived. These are truths that they were having a hard time grasping at this time. You ever witness to a lost person and they just have a hard time understanding what it is you're saying? There are certain truths that to you and I, they are very basic today, but to the lost, it's hard to understand. And so we're seeing some of this here. I want to show you today how Jesus' prophecy is fulfilled in the book of Acts. You can turn over to Acts chapter 1. That's where we'll be in just a minute. This will be a short Bible study then I'll close with some application. Now, as we get into this, keep in mind the ignorance they have in our text before Christ resurrects, before He ascends. Keep in mind that they're struggling with this. Remember, Jesus told them, it's expedient for you that I go away in order that the Holy Spirit of truth may arrive. I know I told you to turn to Acts 1, but real quick, I'm just going to reference Luke 24. Before Christ ascended, we read that Jesus opened the understanding of the disciples that they may understand the scriptures. And by the way, that's my constant prayer anytime I go to the Word of God. Lord, open my understanding that I might understand the scriptures. And it's been that way long before I ever became pastor. And I would just encourage you, anytime you go to the Word of God, you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to open your mind that you might understand the Scriptures. Amen. In Luke 24, 44, it says, And He, Jesus, said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning Me. So Jesus has resurrected and He says, this is what I was talking about. But what's interesting, keep this in mind as we go through this, he says, this is what I was telling you from the law, from the prophets, and from the Psalms. I was telling you from the Word of God how it applies to me. Then before Jesus ascended back to the Father, He gave them what we call the Great Commission, which is for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever that Jesus has commanded us. Then Jesus told them in Luke twenty four forty nine, and behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus, again there, He's emphasizing that the Holy Spirit was going to arrive. That the Spirit of truth would come. It's going to take place after He ascends. And they're commanded to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what they're waiting for. Now, would you look with me in Acts chapter 1? I want you to see how this unfolds. And this may not be for a whole lot of people, but this really blessed my heart as I studied all this. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 1-5. through 5. The former treaties I have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which He was taken up, after that He through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence." And so we find this introduction here that after Jesus resurrected from the grave, He was seen for 40 days. (laughs) I imagine that. Amen. He was seen of them for 40 days. He was teaching them things pertaining the kingdom of God. And we see again the commandment. Jesus is, is emphasized again here the commandment that He gave to stay in Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. Meaning the Holy Ghost is on His way. In verse 8 here in Acts chapter 1, it says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto Me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's the summary of the Great Commission. And then in verse 9, Jesus ascends from the Mount of Olives. And if we keep reading, we would see that these disciples are doing exactly as Jesus said. They return to Jerusalem. They gather in an upper room where they're continuing in one accord and prayer and supplication. Now look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place. Excuse me. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If we piece all this together, we know Jesus was crucified during the Passover. He is our Passover Lamb sacrificed for us. Then He was seen 40 days after He resurrected. And then... It was on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost arrives. Pentecost means 50 days. And knowing that there was 40 days after Jesus resurrected, three days in the grave, and then He ascended, we can know they waited about a week in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. (laughs) They were quarantined for a week, amen. All right, too soon, sorry. But if I lost you during all of that, I want you to tune me back in. Because now that they have received the Holy Ghost, I want you to notice how it affected their preaching afterwards. This is amazing to me. And remember in our text in John chapter 16, they can't figure out the basic. They don't understand the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But look at what we find now that the Holy Ghost has arrived. And we're going we're to see Peter preaching here in chapter 2. But I want you to notice these Scriptures. Look at chapter 2, verse 16. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Look at verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him. And in verse 30, he now sees David who wrote prophetically of Christ. He sees how David was a prophet. Peter quotes several references to what David had penned under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Look at chapter 3, verse 18. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. And then in verse 21, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Verse 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Verse 24. Yea, and all the prophets, from Samuel and those that follow after, as many have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Verse 25 of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 25 who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said. Verse 31 of chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the Word of God with boldness. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And again, remember all they have is the Old Testament to do that. And then in Acts chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, but Stephen's on trial. He preaches a wonderful sermon. And in that sermon, he mentions Abraham, Moses, the prophets, and he tells the council that they were resisting the Holy Ghost. Then in chapter 8, we find Philip preaching Christ from the Old Testament Scriptures. And then in chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus comes on the scene preaching Christ in the synagogues. Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. And just to sum up the rest of the book of Acts, I'll just quote Acts chapter 17, verses 2 and 3. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them Out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Do you see how these men have gone from ignorance of the most basic doctrine of our faith to after that the Holy Ghost came upon them and indwelt them, they are now boldly proclaiming the Scriptures and how they speak of Christ. Isn't that amazing? They're now preaching truths that they never fully understood before. They're experiencing and understanding It's an understanding which broke forth when the Holy Spirit indwelt them. The Holy Spirit made known unto them what the Word of God teaches. Why Christ came how He fulfilled what He came to do. And now, the Old Testament, it begins to open up. It begins to make sense. It begins to blossom. It begins to look like this picture that you can start to make sense of. It's no longer just this old covenant over here that we don't really have to worry about today, or we can just use it to debate people. But, let me rephrase that, because what people like to do is, well, the Old Testament says blah, 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 blah. And then now we can look at it and go, but wait a minute, let me show you how it speaks of Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit comes in and we start to see what the Word of God means. I can tell you from my personal experience, when I started studying the Old Testament, in fact, it started when I first arrived here back in 2001, Pastor Williams was doing a series on Christ in the Old Testament. It was awesome. Well, I had to go deployed a couple times during that, and so I didn't really get to finish it all, but it perked my interest, and I started studying that series for myself. By the way, that's a good thing to do. Don't just trust the preacher to do all the studying for you. And so I started studying that for myself, and I started to look for Christ in the Old Testament, and it was just like... All of a sudden, the Old Testament just came alive. And what used to be boring... Now it's exciting. And you can see how it refers to Jesus. Hey, if you look for Him, He's there. By the way, in case you don't know it, the central theme of this Bible is Jesus Christ. It's not the Antichrist. Alright, I'm going to get off track there. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. Boy, I, I might have a preaching storm before it's over with. The reason for this... It's because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's work to magnify Christ when we read and study the Bible. When you have the experience, I, I think I was talking to Jared Ostrom one day and I said, I had a moment when I was studying Christ in the Old Testament where I... Now, I already knew this truth, okay? But I, I, I kind of stood back from the Word of God and I just I stood in awe. And I said, this is the Word of God. Now, I knew that by saying it. I knew that up here. And I would say I knew it in my heart to some extent. But when you study it and you start studying deeper and deeper, all of a sudden, there comes a point where it flashes and you realize... This is God's gift to mankind. This is the living Word of God. How dare we forsake it? it? It came alive before my eyes. And I want to tell you, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. What you need to realize is that the Holy Spirit of God which indwells every believer, get this now, He is the key to understanding the Scriptures. He is the key to understanding the Word of God. You're not going to understand the Word of God apart from the Holy Spirit's working in your life. This is why when lost people try to start talking about the Word of God, they pull out the most obscure thing you ever heard of. I'm not going to go there. But I could give you some testimony of people I've spoken to. When you're witnessing to the lost, you don't need to debate any issues which detract from them making a decision about Christ. Because they're not really going to begin to understand the Bible until they come to know Christ as their Savior and the Holy Spirit indwells their heart. As we've seen already in this series, Anybody can come to know Christ as their Savior because Jesus Christ has judged Satan. The Holy Spirit convinces us of sin, judgment, and righteousness. Anybody can be saved. But for them to understand the Word of God, it's going to take the Holy Spirit indwelling them. But thank God. Thank God, when we get born again, when we are miraculously saved, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in every believer and the light begins to come on. This isn't to say that all of a sudden we're going to understand all the Bible. (laughs) If you got it figured out, come and let me know. But how many of you can testify that after salvation the Bible started to make much more sense. And the pieces of the puzzle started to come together one piece at a time. And though we still have questions as we grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, the picture becomes more and more clear the more we study, the more we read, the more we memorize, the more we meditate upon the Word of God. Someone came to see me once And they were concerned that they were not getting anything by reading the Word of God. And by the way, that should be concerning to anybody. I'm not getting anything when I read God's Word. So I inquired about their salvation. And though they had been in church almost their entire life, they had never truly been born again. And in my office, they bowed their head. And they cried out to God for salvation. Christ became their Savior. And it wasn't long after that that they came to me and said with a smile and excitement, I'm getting something from the Word of God now. I can hear hear God speaking with me. Not in audible tone, okay? I can hear God speaking to me. You see, that's what happens when we get born again and the Holy Spirit indwells us, the Bible comes alive. Hallelujah. That's what happens when the Spirit of truth enters your life. And to the saved child of God, I'll tell you this is why it's absolutely critical. That you never quench and that you never grieve the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Because it will render your Bible reading fruitless. And you'll be the one coming saying, Pastor, I'm not getting much from my Bible reading. Well, do you know Christ as your Savior? Yeah. Well, then you've got something in your life that's separating you from the Savior. Say amen. Amen. And there's something that has to be dealt with in that case. You can stop reaping from God's Word you can just live in sin to the point where you're not getting from God's Word what you once got. And frankly, what usually happens is the Word of God ends up being folded and placed over here for dust to collect on it. Or it just sits in the car until the next time you arrive in the parking lot. And then you wonder why you're not getting anything from the Word of God. Maybe you're a believer listening today and you have no doubt you're a child of God, but you would still admit this morning, you know, I'm not getting much when I read God's Word. Then you need to pray like David did in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in, in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Go to God and ask Him to show you what is hindering you receiving from God's Word. There might be sin that needs to be dealt with. When we refuse to confess our sin, we lose fellowship with God. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. There may be, if you're not getting much from God's Word, there may be a truth that God has showed you and you refuse to deal with it. And you want God to show you more from His Word, but you won't even deal with this over here that God said, you've got to get this right. Amen. You see, God isn't going to entrust you with more until you deal with that very basic stuff that He's already showed you. I'm not going to entrust my kids to hop in the car and drive. Well, I won't tell stories for Luke's sake. Amen. He's not even smiling at me. I'm only teasing you. did wonderful the other day. He drove all the way home. Praise God. In the manual transmission. Yeah. You're feeling it, aren't you? That's right. I'm not just going to hand them the keys and say, here, I'm going I'm to try to teach them some basic fundamentals. How about clicking your seatbelt? Amen. Might want to show them how to change a tire. Change the hole. I don't know. You, I don't know however you do things but I'm not just going to say here and go out. And God's not going to just sit there and say, here you go, here's everything. Try to figure it all out and be safe. (laughs) But God wants you to deal with those things that He's already shown you. Well, if you don't obey the truth that you already know, don't expect more from the Holy Spirit. If you'll obey every impulse from the Holy Ghost, obey that. Get that right then god will give you more here's another common reason people don't receive much from the word of god they don't read it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. so i ask how's your bible reading and this is always code for i'm not really reading my bible uh, well i'm 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 you know i'm trying and i do pretty good and no you don't right. no you don't Are you reading the Word of God? How about a Christian? Are you getting much from God's Word? Are you even taking time to read it? Do you study? Do you study God's Word? Say, why do you like the King James Bible? Because it's the only one that still says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you study the word of God? Say, well, I'm not a preacher. Didn't ask you that. Do you study? You can't tell me there hasn't been time that you've been reading the word of God and you go, I wonder what that means. Do you study? Do you meditate upon God's word? You say, What does that mean? I got to get in a trance and sit in the middle of a field? No, but I would tell you this it'd be nice if you just put the word of God in your heart and meditate on it throughout the day. Maybe as you're going about your work, you're thinking about that verse that God put on your heart. Now, if you want to sit out in the field, that's fine. Do you memorize the word of God? Do you have the word of God memorized? Not all of it, but do you have verses memorized? You say, why is that important? Because when Satan came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus quoted to him the Word of God. That's why you need to memorize it, because you're going to be tempted. And it's the Word of God that helps you to fight that temptation. It is your window of escape. Are you hiding God's Word in your heart? If you're lost, your heart needs to turn to Christ. You need to go to Christ for salvation in order for the veil to be removed from your mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, but if our Gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious Gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If you're lost, you need to confess your sins to God. We don't go to a priest. Hallelujah. I ain't got time for that. We go to God. Admit that you're a sinner deserving of God's wrath as a result. Admit that you cannot save yourself and cry out to the only One who can truly save You might be wondering, but I don't know what to say. I say this with love. But when you get desperate enough, you won't need anybody to coach you in what to say. Amen. There was nobody on that day when the thief next to Jesus was wanting salvation. Nobody said, let me me tell you the prayer you need to pray. You know what he said? Lord, remember me when thou enter thy kingdom. Well, that doesn't sound like the the prayer I've always heard people say I need to say. Well, you can call it what you want. It got him saved. Amen. Amen. You get desperate enough. Years ago, I stopped leading people in prayer. I got under a heavy burden about that. And anybody that I've led to Christ since then, I say, if you want to be saved, you can bow right now and you can cry out to God and be saved. And they're the ones that pray to God. Just bow in prayer and share with God all that's on your heart. Romans ten nine and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, if I understand that correctly, the salvation part of it takes, takes place in the heart. It's not even really so much what I'm saying out loud, except that I, afterwards I'm confessing that He's my Savior. Anyway, I want to say whether you're lost or saved, you need to do business with God. If you're in the sanctuary in here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're not going to get much from the Word of God. If you don't know Christ, you need to be born again. If you have questions, we'll talk with you. We'll give you what the Bible says and not man's opinion. This is not a Baptist salvation. It's God's salvation. If you're listening online and you're lost, you can call me. You can call the church. You can email us through our website. We'll be glad to speak with you about knowing Christ as your Savior. That's why we're here. We want you to know Christ. To the redeemed, let, let me remind you that every time you open the Word of God Ask the Holy Spirit to open your understanding that you might understand the Scriptures. God has chosen to speak, in, to speak to us by the written Word. Peter, who in our text during the discourse didn't understand a whole lot, will later write, but we have a more sure Word of prophecy. But you got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to memorize it. And you've got to meditate upon it. I could never, ever overemphasize the importance of God's Word in your life. Amen? Amen. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Let's pray.